Little things mean a lot. Now, while the Boy Scout motto might be, be prepared, the Boy Scout slogan is, do a good deed daily. I guess if there's 10 million Boy Scouts, they all do a good deed daily. Something changes. Matter of fact, I bet your life would be different if you remind yourself also to do a what? A good deed daily. Sort of a blessing of Boy Scouts. I'm grateful for little things. When I was, uh, I graduated from college, from Concordia College in Chicago, or known as River Forest. And I remember after my graduation, my parents driving me back across the plains of Indiana and northwest and western Ohio uh, to the Cleveland area. And my dad noticed that his, uh, his gas was going down rather quickly and said, this isn't good. I mean, he said, like, in the last 10 miles, I lost, like, a quarter tank and 10 miles Beside, after that, he lost a lot more, and so we pulled to the rest area, and he opened up the hood, and he had a leak. Apparently, one of his, um, I don't know, gas valves was leaking, and it was a Sunday, and nobody was at the rest area, but uh, there was somebody there who looked like a mechanic, and my dad said, what can I do? And he looked around for a little bit and said, oh, you have a leak right here, and just happened to have some um, electric tape, and took off a little piece of electric tape and found where the leak was and wrapped it up, and we got back home safely, and dad lost no more gas, little things mean what? A lot. And for some people have heart problems or problems breathing and sometimes they take a little pill that can extend their lives years or decades because little things mean what? A lot. And so my back door, um, I have a sliding door no longer locked. And so this is wonderful. And so I thought I had to buy the whole door, whole lock, whole, um, whole door frame, not the whole door frame, but, but the lock, and uh, checking it online like $125, $150. So I asked my neighbor, my good neighbor, who um, um, is much more mechanical and much more into carpentry than I am, take a look at it and see what I might need. Maybe I have to go down to Dilly Door and buy something. He goes, well, it's very simple. Your door just slid down a little bit, and in two minutes he was able to adjust it, <laughs> adjust it and now it locks and it works just fine, because little things mean what? Little things mean a lot. Little things mean a lot in your life. And you go ahead and think about how little things in your life determine a lot of what happens. Kelly Cowan, now she's a, um, she sang in the 1960s, but she sang this love song, and I think it's, I'm not going to sing it to you, but um, what she says is in a relationship, and she's in love, uh, that um, her husband and her, uh, the person who loves her dearly, she sings little things mean a lot. She says, blow me a kiss from across the room say I look nice when I'm not, touch my hair as you pass by my chair, little things mean what? Now, if you're familiar with this song, you can sing it, little things mean, okay, got it? Then she says this, send me the warmth of the secret smile to show me you haven't forgot. Now and forever, that's always and ever, little things mean what? A lot. Sometimes the little things in our lives uh, that, that mean a lot. I don't know about you, but a hot dog without mustard just ain't a hot dog, okay? Little things happen to mean a lot. Um, and so when I think about little things, I think about Elijah. Now, we talked about Elijah the prophet last week, how he was fearful of Jezebel and her wicked king, how God protected him. But Elijah ran into a widow of Zarephath, and she was there with her son, and they had very little. They are very poor. And so Elijah said, God will provide for me. And so God sent Elijah to that widow and said, she'll make you some food. And, and the widow said, I only have enough flour and enough bread um, I don't have enough flour, enough wheat, um, oil to feed my son and I, then we're going to die. He goes, well, go ahead and make, make me the bread anyways, and God will provide. And every day, God gave him just enough what? Wheat and oil. And she just gave a little bit of wheat and oil, but little things mean what? A lot that goes back to the feeding of the 5,000. Who did Jesus find? A little boy with what? Two little fish and five little loaves that fed a lot, because little things mean what? 
a lot how God used very little thing of the widow of Zarephath. There's a little bit of wheat and a little bit of oil. Little things mean a lot and how God blesses that. And so today, you and I, we come to the uh, end, the last Sunday in the church here. And so I, many, many people would think that'd be December 31st, but the church here actually uh, begins again in Advent as a time of hope. But the last Sunday of church here, what it does remind us is that this world we know is going to end and heaven one day will begin. And I think if you heard the hymns, they sort of echo that. So last Sunday in church here, this is it. And the last Sunday in church here, um, we transition from the old world, which is the world we live in, to the new world, which is heaven. And then uh, we hear this again as we say in the Nicene Creed. Can you read with me? And come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. And the last Sunday of the church here reminds us that the things of this world ultimately come to an end, that there's a new heaven that will begin. And so, if you heard Matthew 25 that I was just read to you, it's an end-time theology. Let me go ahead and share it with you again. When Jesus comes back, he'll separate the sheep from the goats. Uh, the sheep he'll take to heaven, the goats he'll send away into eternal punishment. And then Jesus goes on with this discourse, and he says, whatever you have, these little things you have done to others, he's saying this to the sheep, you've done unto me. And so Matthew 25, it's part of uh, the theology of the end times. So Jesus comes back, really going to be a day of separation. The sheep from the goats, and he goes on and says, whatever you've done, small things to others, it's as if you're doing it to me. Um, so you and I have been elected and called into the kingdom of God. We are sheep for us believers. And God has called us into his kingdom. And so we hear his word and um, we're baptized believers and we're called to his kingdom. And um, Jesus reveals, what Jesus wants us to know is that even the smallest act of mercy, they're part of his kingdom that never ends. Because sometimes we, we ignore the little things in favor of the what? The big things. Uh, we, hear, we hear about people who, like, donate ball fields or donate schools. Um, I, I mentioned Dolly Parton a couple months ago that, that for the fire victims in Hawaii, she's going to give them all $1,000 a month to supplement uh, them until they get into their new home. So we say, wow, look at all that great stuff. But sometimes you don't realize what little things do. Now, we're all familiar with St. Jude's, correct? St. Jude's in Memphis. I've been there about 15 years ago. But St. Jude doesn't run off necessarily really big donors, who the big homeward hitters who give one, five, ten, or 20 million. By the way, I'm not sure if that's any of you. It's not me, okay? The vast majority of St. Jude donors give $50 or less. But it holds true that little things mean what? A lot. And even those little things are part of God's eternal kingdom, much like the two fish and loaves, much like the little bit of wheat, and much, much like a little bit of oil. In the chapel of Hospital de la Caridad in Seville, Spain, when you enter into that chapel, you encounter a picture of death. It reminds us all that one day we will die, but more importantly, it reminds us that we believers are dead to the things of this world and alive in Christ. And, and so if you go inside the chapel, uh, there's an artist. I'll get his name here. There's an artist by the name of Bartolome Esteban. And on his art, and you can see our stained glass windows here, and they're beautiful, but on the side of the chapel there, there's pictures of people doing little acts of mercy in the Bible. Uh, maybe maybe the, the oil and the bread for the widow of Zarephath. Maybe uh, the feeding of the 5,000. Um, maybe the widow who, who put in a mite. And, and the point is that we who walk from death, into, from death to life, 
The little things mean a lot in the kingdom of God, and that even God notices that, the little things in life. Um, so, that, so there's pictures from both Testaments. So Jesus comes and enters into suffering so we might fill it with his presence. Now, many times people say, well, I'm suffering, where is God? Where is God where I'm suffering? Well, when my mom died, um, you sent me a lot of cards. And we know we do our best in our Bible classes and other faithful believers here that if someone's ill or suffering, we try to send them cards. Um, when a person is suffering, maybe they're going through a difficult time, um, we're willing to reach out and to, and to help people. And the point is that um, Jesus comes and enters into their suffering so that he can be with them. And so those things that we do to people who are down and out, that's really Jesus coming to them and blessing them during their time. He enters into their suffering, so he is there. So many times people say, where is God when life stinks? Well, sometimes people won't mention God unless their life, what? Stinks. I have nothing to do with God. My life's great. But once my life stinks, I want to know where God is, and God is there. Matter of fact, he has your attention. And he speaks to us that he is for us, and he loves us, and he died for us. And so when our suffering God comes and he fills us with his presence, we might be, he might be with us during those times when we think that God isn't there. And so Jesus said this. Whatever, go ahead and read it with me at the very bottom. Whatever you did for the least of these, you have done unto me. So we need to remember, is any act of kindness or mercy that we do as sheep are actually done to who? I remember this story I heard about a World War, World War I um, English soldier who was wounded. He couldn't see. Um, he laid in bed trying to get his eyesight back. But he whistled. He was a very beautiful whistler. And he whistled there in, in, a, um, in, the, in the Red Cross tent. And he brought hope to people who were suffering somewhere nearing death. And the word got around. Eventually, a king of England heard. And so the king of England said, I want to hear him. And so the king of England didn't say he was there with his detachment. And somebody asked him and said, there's a wounded soldier brought in. Could you please whistle for them? And the king heard it. The king said, thank you. And the man said, why didn't you tell me you were here? Well, it isn't important. What we need to understand is that anything that we do to the least of these, we're doing to who? King Jesus. He is there. So sheep are called to act like sheep and goats act like goats. Believers act like believers. They're kind, they're generous, they're warm, they're forgiving. They look out for people who are in need. They look out for people um, to the best of their ability are hurting and suffering. Sheep love, sheep care. C.S. Lewis once said this, do you know how you can tell when you meet a Christian? is isn't because they're necessarily wearing a cross. is isn't because they're walking in church. You can tell you come into a Christian, meet a Christian, because a Christian will ask you how you're doing, and they'll listen. Sheep are called to act like sheep. Sheep are giving and forgiving and loving, and they worship God and they care for God. Goats act like goats. Unbelievers act like unbelievers. They only care for themselves and their cause. Goats really aren't interested in the kingdom of God. They, they, they sometimes mock and scoff at the idea that Jesus is coming back. Oh, yeah, we've been waiting all these years. He hasn't come back yet. Scoffers scoff. Goats act like goats. Self-centered, mockers of God, find themselves many times in opposition to the Ten Commandments. But we are sheep, and we're called to act like sheep. So I saw this on Facebook. You cannot treat people like garbage and worship God at the what? It doesn't work. Can't ignore people, refuse to shake their hand, look at them, dirty looks, angry looks. Can't do that and worship God at the same time. It doesn't work. You can't treat people like garbage as if they don't exist. Scowls on faces, refusing to acknowledge a person, saying I'm going to come to God's house and worship. It doesn't work, work that way. 
Matter of fact, that's why Jesus says, if you harbor hatred in your heart toward a person so much that you cannot look at them without laughing at them and belittling them, then maybe it's best for you not to come to what? Lord's table unless you come and first make peace with that person. Cannot treat people like garbage and come to God's house at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. Now, we can struggle with people and be angry with people, but yet we're even called to love our enemies. And so sheep are called to act like sheep, but goats act like goats. And so we can't do that. And so we are called to acts of mercy for Christ in this suffering world. Now, there's two pictures there, and, I, and, and uh, um, our ministry coordinator, um, one is our food pantry, and the other one I think they're making, no, they're putting together Christmas um, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving baskets. And so um, we had had this blast of everyone brought canned good. But Jesus notices that. You see, someone even brings uh, brings a, 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 I don't know, some peanut butter. Or somebody who smiles at somebody else. Or somebody who takes the time to write a card for someone who's been hospitalized or ill. Or if you hold the door open for someone, our Lord sees that. Uh, my father in his, in his home, my mom died last January, um, he still, on the end table, has a card that one of our Bible studies sent. All the people in Bible study signed it. He still has that card there because little things mean what? A lot. You see those little acts of mercy, whether throwing 50 cents in for the, for the ringer for at the, at outside the store, you know what I'm talking about, Salvation Army, whether it's a warm smile for someone, whether it's complimenting someone, or it's holding the door open for someone, whether it's a, a jar of peanut butter, our Lord sees those. And said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it to who? Me. Just like St. Jude says, thank you for a donation of $35. We can't be open without that. And so in little things, in little things, we serve God by doing little things, but many times we believers, we, we forget that we serve God in our vocation. What do you mean by that? Well, where do you work? What do you do? What's your calling? Are you a grandparent? Are you a parent? Are you a laborer? Are you a teacher? Are you retired? Where God has put you is where God calls you to serve. So if I'm a parent, I, I serve by, we serve by raising godly children. A grandparent I care for, for my faith and my grandchildren. If I'm a citizen, I will obey the state. If I'm a husband or wife, I will be a faithful husband and wife, and I'll love them. So we not only serve God in little things, but we also serve God in our vocation, and sometimes we forget about that. God has given a vocation. God has placed us in a place where we serve God by doing that. So Martin Luther once said that God even acts in the mundane things. So every time I see the garbage men come down my street, I thank God for the what? Garbage men. Why? Because I at my yard to be really stinky. And yours would be too. And we'd have a lot of flies and rats and a lot of disease. So we thank God. We thank God for those things in our vocation. And so Jesus says, can you read it with me? Whatever you did for the least of these, you did unto me. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus is watching. Not like this. Okay? Uh, Jesus is watching, and he's not keeping score, okay? As if we're going to earn our way into heaven. Or, uh, God, I did 15 nice things. Aren't you really proud of me? As if I'm going to earn God's grace. I'm going to earn heaven by all the good things I do. But Jesus is watching. Why? Because in grace, he sees what we do for others as it blesses others and expands his kingdom. Not for the sake of self-righteousness, well, look at all the stuff I did, or wanting a reward, God, I've done all this. But why is Jesus watching? For the sake of loving my neighbor for my neighbor's what? 
Hopefully nobody does anything good to impress somebody else. Anytime we do any good, it's always to help who? The other person nobody needs to know. We always love. Martin Luther once quipped this. Can you read this? By the way, God doesn't need your money, but your neighbor does. Leave them on earth. They're no good in heaven. You can't earn your way there. My neighbor needs my good works. I'll just garbage can't take it in my yard. If someone's snooping around his house at night, I might call. My neighbor needs my good works. So in faith, Jesus is keeping track. And we trust that these small acts of mercy for the suffering have eternal significance you never know. Saying hi to someone who comes to church might make a difference. Telling somebody God bless you and praying for you might make a difference. These things make a difference. They have eternal significance in the kingdom of our Lord as our Lord works. I'm sure that all of us here have been blessed by other believers who've done what? Little things for us. Over years, they mount up and they touch us. They have eternal significance. So by Jesus, who lived and died and rose for us, may, may we continue to do this. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? Take also thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. And all God's people say, Amen.